Building a portfolio with Fidelity Basket Portfolios is kind of like making a sandwich. It's as simple as picking your stocks and ETFs, sort of like your meats and other topics, and managing it as one big, juicy investment. Mmm, now that's pretty good. Learn more at fidelity.com slash baskets. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSC SIPC. Are you tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? Well, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Welcome to Here to Make Friends, a HuffPost podcast about the Bachelor franchise, where we lovingly snark on The Bachelor and Bachelor-adjacent shows. Whether you love The Bachelor or love to hate it, we're here to break down every single delicious moment with you. I'm Emma Gray. And I'm Claire Fallon. Guys, Ben has never been more in love. He would marry his fiance tomorrow. Of course, they're making us wait until next Monday night to find out whether that lucky girl is Lauren or JoJo. But in the meantime, the women told all, or at least some. Yeah, as usual, it was more like the women interrupt each other to whine about jokes that landed badly and who stole Ben first when. But we got to see Jubilee looking flawless and acting impeccably. The twins were reunited at last. And, of course, Leah stuck to her villain character without any apology whatsoever. We still don't know exactly what happened with Leah's black eye, but we do know that we'll be seeing Lace in Paradise, thank goodness. And there was also a chicken there. So, hey, the night wasn't a total loss. Later in the episode, we'll hear from Bachelor and Shark Tank director Ken Fuchs, who's going to provide some inside knowledge about the show. But first, to analyze everything we heard on The Women Tell All, we're joined by a couple of our favorite guests, Sammy Smith and Max Godnick, also known as The Bachelor Dudes. Thanks for joining us. Our pleasure. Excited to be here. Ready to tell all. (laughs) Or just more like a little bit of it. (laughs) The dudes tell some. (laughs) The dudes waste a lot of time talking about how they were heartbroken when Ben walked away from them. Any initial reactions? I was bummed that Amanda didn't get her own segment. I oh, thought yeah. she, she didn't. She was a major part of the season. She was traumatized with the kids. And I don't know. She should have told Ben, like, you know, you should if you knew you weren't going to give me my own segment— I shouldn't have driven over here from L.A. I maybe wondered, she did, but that was cut out. Maybe. They could have cut her. Maybe she was too boring. I also was wondering, she, she also, was being so diplomatic. I, oh, she was yeah. a delight. Like, I wonder if she was trying to kind of wage her own little bachelorette campaign. Yeah, She'd she also handled, clearly lost her voice. She was sick, I yeah. think. Yeah. 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 She, she couldn't so hear her at all. Maybe she just couldn't handle 
the vocal pressures of the, of, hot, seat. Of the hot seat. That's like <laughs> the really tough thing. You have to really be able to project. She was very forgiving. Yeah. I thought it was interesting that, I mean, obviously they were really pumped to have the chicken on the show. But they placed <laughs> the chicken in the back of the close-up shots of, I believe, Kayla, Amanda, and Olivia. So, like, the people they were cutting to the most, had a ch- for the most dramatic moments, had a chicken in the background the entire time. I was very distracted. Better. I was distracted by how many hands were on the chicken at any given point. <laughs> and I think I, I think the highest point I saw was four. Definitely wow. at least three. Were pe- people were sharing the chicken? Yes. People were sharing the chicken. Well, it kept trying to get away. Right. I mean, so at first I was like, oh, I'm so impressed that Tiara has the chicken so well-trained. She's wearing a white, for with one thing. With a chicken With a chicken lap. sitting on her lap yeah, for and I didn't basically see any five sort of, hours. There was no tarp or anything under the chicken. Yeah, was, yeah, and I didn't see any stains, so maybe she just starved it for a couple of days. But otherwise, a, a potty-trained chicken. And I was like, oh, it's just sitting here quietly. And that's before it tried to make a b- break into the audience. <laughs> maybe she had one of those – do you remember those dockers that were stain-proof and everything would slide off of them? No one remembers this? That's not like a thing women have. <laughs> yeah. no. We're expected to just okay. be dainty. I remember <laughs> them, but I also watched the episode and saw she was not wearing dockers. So. <laughs> <laughs> maybe the dress was made out of like – some sort of, you know, like scuba fabric is a big thing now. It's an age of experimental like moisture fabric. Wicking. Yeah, yeah, it just slides right off. Like the fabric that you would use to make a scuba suit. For sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. People use that to make dresses now. You're kidding. It's a thing. Oh, wow. it's wow. very much a thing. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Mermaid chic. It provides like a flattering level of structure. Okay. But also is very tight. Yeah. I'm into it. Yeah. 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 I was impressed that... The chicken wasn't – I mean, it was very much a gimmick, but they were consistent with it. It was there for the entire episode. It was there when they got up at the end and all huddled around Ben and Chris. So They didn't give up. It was a patient chicken. Yeah. Did they ask her to bring it or did she ask them to bring it? I mm. suspect they asked her to bring it. They definitely asked her <laughs> to bring it. But I want to know more about that. Like, they should have asked her about the chicken. I want to know if the chicken is her comfort object. Is it her service animal? Is the is chicken her, her love language? Is the chicken hers? I think they might have rented a chicken. Yeah. <laughs> so well trained. Right. Did she yeah. actually fly that chicken? That chicken was in showbiz. That's, that's an L.A. chicken yeah. right there. I'm going to yeah. make a prediction right now. Her and the chicken are going to paradise. Wow. <laughs> I mean, I would love that, but I wonder about all the wildlife the that you normally would get see. Eaten. The it predators, would, yeah. The, yeah, the, you see the crabs, like, scuttling into uh, the yeah. room, and suddenly the bloody wing is being Oof. dragged. I think Sorry, that, that was, was the dragging. chicken from The Revenant. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I'm so glad right now I haven't seen The Revenant. Well, that was the chicken. I believe. <laughs> I, I can confirm, yeah. But, like, the, the chicken was just there. Like, she, they never asked her about it. Or anything. Right. If like it she hadn't, never, if she it never hadn't, spoke. If the yeah. chicken didn't escape, no attention would have been called to it whatsoever. <laughs> yeah. I was disappointed. I was like, you're going to do the gimmick. I want you to at least address the gimmick for me as part of the show. But yeah. well, that's just me. They they preferred to spend a lot of time really stoking the the racial fires of, Crazy. of the cast. Yes. That, you know, that forget was... the chicken. Let's pit all of the women of color against each other. That was... That was something else. At first, I was very disappointed in Chris because it seemed like he was going to cut off what was really one of the most, like, revealing racial moments I've ever seen on the show. But then they kept it going a little bit when Jubilee got on the hot seat. But, uh, yeah, that was, that was wild. I thought it was good because it was a... 
it was something that we didn't really see as much on the show that gave a little color to why Jubilee did not get along with people right. as well. Shoshana saw it. Shoshana, Shoshana saw, saw a lot. Yeah. Shoshana, Shoshana, Shoshana hated everyone, apparently, yeah. when she, she was also, there. There's always, every single year, there's one or two women who only made it to week two or three who decide they need to dominate every single conversation. Shoshana and Jamie both mm-hmm. yeah. spoke way more than half of the women who made it through well, like, almost ja- the entire season. I think Jamie wanted to show off the, her dress. She had her breasts. Yes, yeah, she had a, she, her breasts <laughs> yeah. were there. It, in the back of every shot of every close-up was either the chicken or, or Jamie's, Jamie's breasts. breasts. <laughs> yeah. You know, she's making a play Equally for Equally entertaining. <laughs> I thought that it was really awkward with Shoshana, though. Like, Jubilee was basically saying— People weren't coming to me with their issues, um, and so I didn't really know the extent of it until I watched the show, and people were saying these horrible things behind my back. And Shoshana says, oh, well, uh, so basically no one wanted you to come back, okay? Are you happy? And it's like, well, she knows that now. You don't have to do this now. That's kind of not the point. The point is you didn't do it then, so— being a total bitch now is not really <laughs> helping anything. She just seemed to be really eager to, like, crap all over people. Yeah. I also thought that, you know, the conversation between Amber, Jamie, and Jubilee was—it was really upsetting. It was hard to watch. But I think it also kind of highlights why we really need more diversity on mm-hmm. a show like this. These women are all self-aware at this point. They're going on the show knowing that— They are probably going to be tokenized in some way. They're going knowing they could be framed as a, quote-unquote, angry black woman. And I think that ends up pitting them against each other instead of, you know, against the producers who are kind of creating this dynamic. Yeah, I think the fact that it was so shocking and jarring to hear them addressing what, like, really in a vacuum isn't that, you know, bizarre of a conversation for them to be having says a lot about how that issue is just really just not broached whatsoever on the show. And also normally if there was an altercation like that between two of the women, they would have aired it. They would have crafted that into a storyline. Instead, they cut apparently all of those conversations that were happening. So much so that they couldn't even show the disputed conversation that they were saying might have or might not have taken place as like, oh, well, we have the clip. Let's roll it. It happened off camera. Because I think ABC would prefer to pretend that, you know, everything is colorblind and race doesn't matter and that these conversations never happen. Yeah, I mean, those conversations don't make ABC look all very good. Right. Great. Because it's, yeah, they are, it's, it's just showing the awareness that they all have that they're not competing with the whole pool of girls. They're competing with each other to go further than the other women of color. Because that's kind of the standard that it, where it's at right now, exactly. where no woman of color, um, you know, no black woman at least, has made it past episode five. And so that puts them in a different sort of headspace when they're in the house. But I thought it was really dispiriting that Jubilee was the only one who ended up apologizing for how that dynamic played out. I know. It was kind of baffling to me because— she was the one who got dragged down by it to the greatest degree. It didn't seem like Jubilee had any allies on the panel of women with her. She was really there flying solo. Leah I, kind of stepped in at one point. But does but Leah really have no. anything to say about race? I don't know. But that's like the other thing. Like, who are we 
allowing to be an ally for Jubilee then if the the two lighter skinned black women are like, we feel like you think you're different from us because you're you're darker skinned. Right. And the lighter skinned black women had allies in Shoshana. She felt comfortable speaking up for them. Yeah. But no one felt comfortable speaking up for Jubilee. Yeah. I think most of the women just want to stay out of it completely. Yeah. Which is, you know. But I do think that people felt more comfortable jumping on Jubilee. Absolutely. And that was awkward to see because she was also the person who, you, and you could tell in the way that she handled it on the show, she was very thoughtful about the accusations. She thought it over. She made concessions. She apologized. She handled herself she beautifully. She handled herself very circumspectly. Mm-hmm. And yet she's treated as the one who is super immature and difficult by everyone present. And it really makes you wonder what standard she's being held to compared to someone like certainly a higher Shoshana one. or Amber or Leah, who I really wanted to hear more from Leah, quite frankly. It was strange that that Jubilee got yeah got got picked on for not trying to fight. Right, that that was kind of the whole dynamic of the show. Oh, I, I'm going to stay out of this, and people yelled at her for trying to stay out of it. Yeah, and then also Chris Harrison, I was so weirded oh out by God, the, hot the hot seat, seat. moment was, where yeah. he tried to kind of frame the whole thing as like, well, at least you found value because for a few weeks a mediocre white man was really into you, yeah. and the value yeah. that yeah. you found was that. Ben saw potential. Right. Yeah. Potential. He didn't yeah. like you that much, but, you know, he, he thought you were attracted to him enough to make out a few times. With for a few, yeah. He didn't run away when you shared some really intense things about your past. Like, he gets a gold star for being a great guy, and you should just feel good about yourself. And how quick Chris Harrison was to label her incredibly, you know, checkered past of everyone she knows being dead and being in the military and, you know, being one of the only women of color on the show is, you know, the one word label of complicated. Oh, yeah. A, a lot of complicated was thrown yeah. out. You know, it's not all about race and tragedy. Maybe she's just like a terribly complicated and awful person. Yeah. You know? <laughs> but like she can't control that. She can't make herself simple enough to deserve love. But, but there's probably someone out there who will love her despite how complicated she is. And Ben was kind of cool with her being complicated, so it's fine. He was thinking <laughs> about it. And if he's willing to think about it, there's someone out there who will do it one day, I mean, despite all of her flaws. Not someone of his caliber, but someone. <laughs> right. Someone. someone. Yeah. Not someone on the Mount Rushmore. Not someone who <laughs> oh, is not someone as hot as Ben. I mean, just <sighs> those shirtless shots of Ben running down the beach. Oof, that tag. That tag. Oof. Yeah. And then Amy Side Schumer. Tag. Amy Schumer and Chris Harrison got into a little Twitter spat about complicated gate. It was great. Oh, gosh, we skipped the whole intro part where they crash people's parties. Oh, with so many babies. Oh, my god. The gosh. babies wearing T-shirts that said Mrs. Higgins. It was a lot. and I can't deal with that. It was interesting to see that Ben was so much more comfortable around those babies than Amanda's children. Yeah. I think partly because he could just give them back right away. True, and he didn't have to chase them. Yeah, there was no pressure to impress the babies. He could just be like, oh, my future wife, and give the baby a rose, and everyone be like, oh, Ben, you're so charming. <laughs> True. I'm going to leave my husband for you, LOL, but really, seriously. Or, ma- <laughs> or maybe he learned a lot in Laguna Beach with Amanda, chasing the babies around. Maybe. And- I think he's ready to be a dad now after that one date. 
that date and then meeting like three babies at the bachelor viewing parties. Yeah. And he's good to go. That's also why politicians are the best dads is because they kiss a lot of babies <laughs> at the events and like Ted Cruz. Um, anyway, so back to <laughs> the, <laughs> the actual, actual women tell all. We have to talk about Lace. We do. Yes. Oh, yeah. She I thought is, Lace was wonderful, to be honest. She seemed like a little Ashley S-ish to me during her. She she was, without all the weeping and the crazy eyes, she just seemed a little bit more... A little more self-aware, for Self-aware. Sure. She had the little smile, the little, I'm the kook here, but it's okay smile. Also, I feel like her crazy peaked so early that no one was upset about it. Yeah. And she only, yeah, that's true. She didn't really interact with the other girls very much. It was all about Lace. Lace sabotaged her own campaign. Yeah, that's the thing. She wasn't like Olivia in that she was actually competitive. So they could no. be like, oh, Lace is being such an annoying girl. But in the end, she was only hurting herself. So She got the, the on-screen invite to Paradise, which was huge. Yeah. Yeah. Which we had to know it was coming. She she is what Bachelor in Paradise dreams yeah, she's are made classic of. Classic Paradise. Yeah. I can't wait to see which lace shows up to Paradise, but I'm gonna <laughs> guess that it's the version of lace that isn't her. <laughs> I think it's gonna be we the have version yet to of see the real lace, Claire. Yeah. I think it's gonna be the version of lace that isn't her, which is drunk lace. However, having now the knowledge of what drunk lace is like on TV, so we're gonna get a little bit more confidence mm-hmm. and maybe not as many oh, I need to talk to you again. I need to steal you away again and again and again. Maybe there just won't be so much stealing f- away. I think fare a little bit better with more than one man around her. Right. I don't. I feel— Or she's I, going to I fixate on someone. I suspect that she's someone. going to be like Ashley I. I think she's going to fixate on someone and come on so strong that he will be like anyone but this girl. She's <laughs> great. Or maybe someone will fixate on her. It's mm. I, I mean, we've seen it happen. The guy with the tattoo? Yeah, that was oh, definitely that was not a real tattoo. Something. Because it seemed like his first tattoo. That can't be your first tattoo. No. Right? He also seemed so eager to take his shirt off on national television. <laughs> yeah. That was one of the Bachelor dudes. We know that guy. <laughs> <laughs> Frankly, I just don't understand face tattoos. Like, it just seems weird to be able to look down at a part of your body and make eye contact with another person. <laughs> One thing I will say about Lace is she said that she learned what she's like in those situations. However, I can't imagine any other situation that's similar except for except for Paradise. Paradise. Right? So, yeah. so the only yeah. thing she's, she's like, really I'm improved ready. upon herself is how can I act in Paradise? She successfully so, um, pitched herself for Paradise. Yeah. And that's got the immediate test. Maybe that was the end goal all along. Yeah. She's like, I have to go work on myself in intensive therapy. So, so, that, so that I can, I can go can... to Mexico and be very drunk <laughs> for three weeks. Exactly. And uh, well, find love. I got to say the tattoo was – very weird, but incredible artwork. I mean, it really looked like lace. And she doesn't have that many, like, def- <laughs> incredibly defining features. Yeah, who, really? I who think drew that, that tattoo? Very... We want them on the podcast. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we still have to talk about Olivia. Olivia. Who, you know. And one quick thing about Olivia, which is kind of just overall in the episode that, that we didn't hit on yet, that I really appreciated was the picture-in-picture picture at the beginning just to t- confirm to us that all the girls were there. When they were getting ready, just showing – during Chris's intro, we just – I found it relieving. We saw the girls. We knew they were there. We knew we knew they were going to appear. The women would be there and they would be telling all. Thank God. Yeah, okay, I, was, I was worried there for What a if minute. this was just a clip show? Um, <laughs> I want to say something I appreciate about Olivia, Please. which is her new hair. I was yeah. just going Gorgeous. to say that. She looked great. I want to take full the credit because so of much all better. my tweets about her center part. She had a sort of off-center, side-ish part. And it was very shorter, sleek, very short, a little 
more layers. Very camera. Gorgeous. That's the Rachel, right? Sort of what she was rocking on the no. show. No. No, no. Not no. even close. The Rachel's very dated at this <laughs> oh, point. Oh, I, I know it's very the dated. The Rachel's like a long shag. Right. There's the very cut. intense layers. I'm so sorry. It's it's okay. And I didn't want to give yeah. up the the image that I think that the Rachel is a thing women are doing in 2016. <laughs> I wish that I could convey the the look of disappointment it's, that I'm giving Max right now. <laughs> I think I'm conveying it in my shame. <laughs> no, it was it's more like a, I think it's more of a Cameron cut, like Cameron Diaz. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, um, I knew I knew which Cameron you were referring to. Yeah. Which also she sort of looks like Cameron Diaz, so it And works. maybe I'll redeem yeah. myself by saying she was wearing a white romper. She was. Yeah. She yeah. was. Mm-hmm. Okay. She looked good. She did look good, but I, she, over the course of the season, had the, the highest volatility of, of, of how attractive did she look at a given moment. That's kind of true. And I felt for that because I, I relate to that. Like when I leave the house looking awesome and then I look in the mirror at the end of the night and I'm like, like what happened? What? My face is a different shape now. Like how does that even happen? Yeah, I feel that on a daily basis. Yeah. So whenever I watched Olivia like having a bad face day, I was like, oh, man, I Been feel there. that so hard. Um, but she was looking good last night, and she seemed pretty embarrassed. She seemed like she was on the verge of tears from moment one. She's having a tough couple yeah. of months. She gave her sister her social media accounts. I mean, come on. And and that's the thing about this. It's like she was rude. She didn't act very well. But also the amount of abuse that these people take online is just next level. I always find it kind of a bit much, though, when, like, these girls go on and all this crap happens. And she's like, I used to watch and, like, we all judge, but we're real people and it's really hard. And I'm like, oh, yeah, you're the person who's going to change this. Like, all those people you didn't give a shit about, they weren't going to change it with their human pain. But your human pain is the thing that's going to The real lesson of this is don't go on The Bachelor. Yes. (laughs) I don't trust Olivia's apologies at all. Uh, yeah. I, she didn't feel like someone who got caught up in the moment of, of the gossip and the thing. She was she was actively, every time she was ahead, like pushing everyone, like making fun of everyone, rubbing everyone's face. And then she comes back and she's near tears. But I she It was I very much it. like Courtney's appearance on Women Tell All and Ben F's season. And well, Courtney they know was they very have tearful. to come and eat shit a little yeah. bit. Yeah, and I think it's also painful when everyone has a chance to like gang up on you together on TV and tell you what a horrible person you are. And, like, you yeah, cry. and sound like, fun. But, like, then she wrote a book where she basically called Lindsay a horse face and, like, said none of the women were as smart as her. Like, it's not like she really repented of all that Courtney. stuff. Yeah, I, Courtney. I, I, I expect the same exact action from Olivia. Yeah, exactly. Like, I felt like she didn't enjoy being the target of their wrath. But do I really think that she felt like she was wrong to say the stuff she said? Eh. Uh, maybe with the teen mom. I think her her rapping with Amanda seemed genuine, or maybe it's just because I'm in love with Amanda and she was so forgiving, <laughs> which I was so impressed by. I think it's great that Amanda was forgiving, but I also thought it was great that she pushed her on it a little bit because Olivia was yeah. like, "I apologize to you." So right there were there was like three distinct stages that, to that, that was apology. A, that was a good interaction, though. You know, yeah. You know who was not forgiving? Uh, a the twins. They were giving <laughs> the they were faces out of disgust. Control. The twins hate Olivia. Oh my god! I've and never they really seen it like that. They off of each other too. Yeah. Yes, they were yeah. talking over each other the entire time. Like one of them would start yelling, and then the other one was yelling. And I yeah. feel like they were trying oh to gesticulate in unison 
to show that they were twins in case we didn't <laughs> like, we know. We get it. Yeah. We, we've got it. We've got it. You two. Yeah, it You're seems the same that, person. It seems that being separated for that, those couple weeks did not break their relationship. They are Certainly they are back not. to being one. No, they're doing they're doing okay. They also struck me again as so young in the way that they were speaking to Olivia. Just the like. Yeah. Very intense, very quick, speaking over each other. Yeah. Like, their age really showed. Yeah. And trying to signal when it was like, you know, I I told you you were being a problem two times. She was mouthing yeah. that, but I can't mouth on a podcast. <laughs> yeah, a, a lot of mouthing. Also, like, yeah, like, that was the problem here, that she came to her yeah. twice, not once. Like, it's yeah. Like, I mean, it's one of those things where I felt like the twins were in the right in that clearly Olivia was— making catty comments to them about their clothes being slutty or whatever. But, oh, yeah, like, they, 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 for, they forfeited the high ground by acting so Exactly. Childish. It actually yeah. made me feel kind of bad for Olivia instead of feeling like they were— <laughs> She was getting her due. I just had that feeling like when you're watching your candidate perform really badly in a debate. I was like, (laughs) guys, stop it. No, that tactic is not going to work. Also, I think I just prefer Emily on her own. Yes. yeah. I think I prefer Haley on her own. Could you tell? Emily is the crazy one. Could you tell the difference when they asked? Sammy could. Yes. I could. Sammy was very proud that he could. Yeah. I could not. (laughs) I yelled immediately. Emily's on the left. It was a savage move by Chris. He's a— Chris. Ben looked very nervous. Yeah. He was going to get it wrong. But he was pretty confident when he when he said it. If you want to bring coziness into your life, uh, and I mean, who doesn't, <laughs> turn to Barefoot Dreams, especially right now, because the brand is celebrating their 30th anniversary. With those 30 years of coziness, Barefoot Dreams celebrates being the originators of everyone's favorite Lux home blanket. There's a reason why Barefoot Dreams has been on Oprah's favorite things list six times. Dressing head to toe in Barefoot Dreams is the key to comfort as their collection of ultra soft robes, loungewear, and accessories are made with premium materials. And their products make the perfect gifts too. I would certainly love to be given something from Barefoot Dreams. I just acquired the robe, and it is like the softest robe I have ever put on my body. It's so cozy. It's so warm. It's beautiful. It has a nice drape and weight to it. I wear it whenever I have the opportunity. I just want to wear it constantly. And I think everyone should have that kind of comfort and coziness in their lives. For Love to See It with Emma and Claire listeners, you can get 15% off of your first purchase at barefootdreams.com with the code LTSI15. Don't miss out on Barefoot Dreams' soft, soothing fabrics that will bring luxury to your life. Okay, so you got engaged. Congrats. Now you may be wondering what comes next. If you're planning a wedding, the first thing you need to know about is Zola. With Zola, you can plan your entire wedding in one convenient place. From the day you get engaged and search for the venue to the day you send out your save the dates, make your registry, and even taste your cake. Zola has literally everything you need to make the whole process super easy and actually even enjoyable. There's even a five-star app that helps you plan on the go or, you know, from your couch, which is certainly how, uh, if I was planning a wedding, I would definitely want to do it as loungily as possible. <laughs> so important. I also just know myself. I I know that planning any kind of event, like even a birthday party, can get very stressful And so it's been really cool to see friends use Zola. It really seems to make everything a lot less stressful. And as a frequent wedding attender, 
I love to be able to hop on that Zola registry and just purchase a gift. Easy peasy. I know I've done it. I won't forget. Thank you, Zola. Yeah, everything's all in the same place. It's perfect. Start planning at Zola.com. That's Z-O-L-A.com. Springtime vibes are in the air. And when you bring in some of the beautiful flowers that are blooming, you probably want to smell the flowers, not the litter box. But thanks to Pretty Litter, you'll be able to smell those spring flowers all you want. Nothing beats Pretty Litter's ability to instantly trap odors. It's ultra absorbent, it's lightweight, low dust, and one six pound bag works for up to a month. Pretty Litter's crystals change color to indicate early signs of potential illnesses in your cat. And if all of that wasn't enough, Pretty Litter ships free right to your door. You'll never run out, you won't have huge kitty litter bags taking up space, and even better, you won't have to lug those huge tubs from the store to your car or the subway and into your house. Our producer, Talon, has been using Pretty Litter and he just raves about how great it is, how easy it is to scoop, how much better it smells. I mean, the health monitor aspect gives so much peace of mind. He's a big fan and we know that you will be too. Go to prettylitter.com slash LTSI to save 20% on your first order. And get a free cat toy. That's prettylitter.com slash LTSI to save 20% on your first order and get a free cat toy. prettylitter.com slash LTSI. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. The weather's getting warmer, so it's time to say goodbye to jackets and sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. Oh, I'm so happy the weather is finally turning. If you, like me, have been wanting to update your wardrobe for the long haul without, you know, spending a fortune, then Quince is for you. You can build up a lineup of timeless pieces that will keep you looking effortlessly chic year after year. Like premium European linen dresses, blouses, and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. And the best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes those savings right on to you. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices, as well as premium fabrics and finishes. I love Quince for all these staples. I mean, linen is my favorite summer fabric. They have so many amazing linen staples. I also found my new go-to like summer running around to the playground in the coffee shop bag. It's the pebbled Italian leather front sling bag. I can just fit a wallet and my phone and my AirPods in it, maybe some lip balm. Absolutely perfect. I'm so obsessed with it. And the price was exactly what I wanted to. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash LTSI for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash LTSI to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash LTSI. One in five Americans have learned a new language on their bucket list, as they should, because it's very important. If that's you, then make this year the year you finally check it off your list with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. 
Wow, that is really fast. Their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Plus, all of Babbel's 14 award-winning link... Plus, all of Babbel's 14 award-winning language courses are backed by their 20-day money-back guarantee. I personally used Babbel before I headed off to Paris for three weeks, and it was so helpful just kind of giving me back the basic understanding of French, allowing me to interact with people in restaurants, in shops, and, you know, just not make a total fool of myself when in a foreign country. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash LTSI. Get up to 60% off at babbel.com slash LTSI. Spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash LTSI. Rules and restrictions may apply. So the only thing that really bothered me about the Olivia segment is that no one apologized for like picking apart her body and talking about her fake breasts and her toes yeah. and her breath. And like that was a pretty awful moment. Well, it's similar and to it was, Jubilee. It's like yeah. when you're on the hot seat, you have to do the right. You just have to apologize, yeah. and yeah. no one else Even did anything if the wrong. The treatment of you was worse. Which I did think that Olivia tried to ride Jubilee's redemption turn a little bit. She was like, "I'm just like Jubilee. I'm hard to understand because I'm complicated." You could just see Jubilee's face, like, "Don't, don't." Yeah. 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 I was like, "I don't <laughs> no, think no, you're no. just like Jubilee. No, I no, think no. you are actively nasty to the other girls." And you should be apologizing to them. But there were things that they did to her, too. Also, Jubilee right. had the the trump card of she'd been promoted to sergeant. And Olivia could have been like, I'm now an anchor on GMA. Some <laughs> sort of she? professional. No, she's not. Uh, <laughs> but just to show that she not. has advanced in her career like right. Jubilee has. Unclear, it, though, if that's the case. Yeah, she's still on I air. I suspect she might be unemployed. I'm sure she'll find something. Uh, yeah, that, paradise. She'll find paradise. With that, with that new haircut, I mean. Well, she has broadcast experience, so why not just become like a bachelor commentator? I mean, I think that's. Or she that's could. The move she for could her. be. She could be on first look. She could be on first look. She could I succeed. love first look. So, it's the show that's on after SNL. I haven't been this high on Olivia since first impression rose. I think. Yeah, last night made me like her more. <laughs> I um, I'm torn. I I really got a lot of resonance back to Courtney. With her appearance, I think Courtney and that is a little of, bit smarter. To be honest, I don't know. I don't think Olivia is dumb. No, she talks smart things, and I don't think no, that I don't Courtney think she's dumb. I, I think that Court. I think that Courtney was more cunning, perhaps. I think she but, was better at reading social cues, certainly. But she still did all that. Stuff. But I think she wanted. Like I think that was very. That felt very active. I don't think season. that Olivia is dumb enough to think that the stuff that she said would not rub people the wrong way. I think she's smart enough to know that. I and I I definitely got the same like, "Oh, I was bullied and like it's so hard and to go back to that time in my life and I'm weeping and I'm so sorry everyone." It really felt like very similar to me to Courtney's appearance. That doesn't mean that like I think Olivia is a sociopath. I'm not going to go that far, but I I wasn't I wasn't totally sold. I don't know. I want to see her in paradise. Yeah, me too. And yeah. the twins. Can you bring both twins to paradise? Yes. Yeah. They, they brought both Iconetics to so. paradise. I don't think you can bring one twin to paradise. <laughs> yeah. They are a package deal. But, yeah. the, I mean, what disappointed me is that because Lace got the on-air invite, it's like, 
how many more people are coming. Also, now confirmation oh. that Lace is not going to be the Bachelorette, which you know some I was oh, hoping. Oh yeah, for, it's maybe. devastating. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that seems so likely. <laughs> well, it seems like Kayla is going to be. Yeah. yeah. The next Bachelorette, which like, eh, and we we heard be... a little bit from Kayla last night when I was hoping we'd hear from Leah, and hear about Leah's black eye. Um, instead, Kayla came up and talked about her broken yeah, heart. It was hard. She like bent. That's about all I yeah. took away from it. Was super quiet. There wasn't much yeah, talking, wasn't. and like that was Kayla's chance to. That was the Kayla show for for the first time, and it didn't fully work for me. Well, because she's so sad. She's so sad that the only way she can become unsad is to become the Bachelorette. Yep. Uh, so then Ben comes back and is says he's very in love and would marry that girl tomorrow. He spoiled the season. I mean, a major part of every season is, is there going to be a proposal. Well, he had already mm. confirmed on GMA, I think, that he was engaged. Yeah. So, well, there you go. The jig is up. Yeah, I mean, maybe it's, the maybe it's someone who was, but <laughs> wow, maybe it's so someone much. who wasn't even on the show. Maybe it's me. Like, guys, <laughs> we true. don't know. The preview for the finale looked very dramatic, and oh, I can't yeah. wait to see how it will turn out to be it not does. that dramatic. Oh yeah, it's going to be probably boring. Yeah, I it seems like all of his tearful moments were just him being overwhelmed at how much he loves the woman that he's going to propose to. Not right. any moment of conflict. Having listened to how they cut it together this time, it seemed like what was happening is that he was talking about how it was really tough to say goodbye to someone he loved and how it was felt wrong that he was going to propose to someone when he also loved someone else, but he was ready. Very similar to last up, episode. But then they cut it up in a way that makes it sound like he's changing his mind. Yeah. Right. I don't think there's any mind changing. No, I think that they just cut up him feeling conflicted about proposing when he's in love with two women. And they just slice together all the times he said, I love you. But the <laughs> oh JoJo God. bathroom scene of, of you know, them seemingly that in a closet brutal. in a bathroom. That seemed steamy. I was into that. I'm pumped for that. Yeah, she nothing, was weeping. There's nothing steamy. <laughs> steamy like, was the wrong word. Scandalous. Better. Scandalous is what I, I meant. I what kind of relationship Love you have, chicks but cry. it's never better than trying to force your boyfriend to say that you're the only person he loves. That's it seemed when like things a new, get really hot and heavy. It seemed new. It seemed like uns- unexpected. Unsuccessfully. Unsuccessfully. Yeah, I mean, I just, JoJo's, not going to win this. I would agree. Yeah. He seemed very non-committal with her family. I thought her that, family seemed non-committal so with him. So. Yeah, it was mutual. I'm just looking anyway. forward to the Bachelorette, <laughs> where one woman gets to, you know, foster the love of 28 personal trainers. So you think that they are sticking with with a, a single Bachelorette, one Bachelorette this time? Yep, they can't I, do that twice in a no, row. That was, that was, and everyone weird. hated it. I think yeah. it's, it's going to be Kayla. It's going to be a very bubbly, bubbly, and I think normal season. And then they're going to play up the fact that um, her mother is not a white person. Yeah, her mother's yeah. not a white person. Yeah. She also said the unlovable thing. She doesn't have a hometown. She's got a couple things going for her. Yeah, yeah. it's going to be boring. But I think know. she's going to be like, yeah, be she's going to be like Desiree. She's going to be really cloying. And also, like, it's going to turn out that a couple of her favorite guys are not super into her. And so that, have, that will create So we have drama. a lot to look forward to. Is Can't what you're wait. Saying. Yeah. And they're going to have a lot great. of great uh, home-cooked Filipino meals. I'm, I'm kind of jealous. Thanks so much for joining us, dudes. It's been real. It's been very nice. <laughs> now we're going to hear from the man behind the scenes, Ken Fuchs, who talked to Emma last week. He's the director of The Bachelor franchise and Shark Tank. 
Uh, this is Ken Fuchs. I'm the director of The Bachelor and The Bachelorette. I started directing Trista's season, which was Bachelorette One, which was our third uh, overall season. And um, yeah, I've done the last 28 seasons. So it's a lot of Bachelor. <laughs> handed out a lot of roses, yes. What exactly goes into directing an episode of The Bachelor? I think there's a little bit of a confusion because people really try to wrap their heads around what reality TV is. And and with The Bachelor, what happens is, because it's non-scripted, from a production standpoint, we're sort of prepared for more spontaneity and more things that happen on the fly, which is what you want. That's sort of what makes a good reality show, right? But at the same time, we do go in with a game plan because we're basically out in the field, right? So we're creating a shooting environment every day, usually in a different location every day. And the end result is we want to tell a story. It's all about storytelling, right, in the end of the day. So while as a director, I don't get involved terribly much with the content in terms of, like, the story, um, I do uh, oversee and I'm in charge of everything else you see and hear and feel and I think is a big part of the storytelling. How differently does an episode generally unfold from your end versus what we end up seeing as viewers? Not terribly different, really. I mean, you know, obviously stuff's edited and there's only so many minutes to a two-hour show. But no, it's not terribly different, really. It's just longer because we're always waiting and letting story stories unfold. So... Even with a rose ceremony, you may see him pick up the rose and call a name right at one right after another, right? Or you may not even see him pick up every rose just for the sake of of um, of time and, and sort of storytelling. We want to advance the, the story a little. But in the room, the early nights when we're handing out 17, 18 roses, we may take an hour to do that. We're in no rush. Like we want to really milk every moment and see what kinds of reactions can develop. Um, and then in the edit, we'll use all the best stuff. How have you seen the way The Bachelor is made change over the years? Obviously, from our perspective, it feels like a pretty different show from those first few seasons. Well, I think it's just grown, right? It's just bigger and bigger. And then the travel came in uh, a few seasons ago. Well, I guess maybe 10 seasons ago now. And that changed everything. The travel part of the equation was really interesting because we used to shoot basically the entire season at the mansion, right? Whether it was in Malibu or we, then we moved to another house. But once we started hitting the road, it sort of opened up endless possibilities for dates and uh, all kinds of fun. And it really helped advance the story, too, because now these cast members... Uh, these guys and girls were, were traveling and having experiences on the road in foreign countries. And that just that just took us to a whole other level. Is there anything from a production standpoint that you guys have done to maybe make the show better or feel more authentic? Yeah, the authenticity is really what you're always going for. If you look at other dating shows that have come and gone, I think you'll see they have a different feel, right? Maybe they feel more scripted or more manipulated or more or, or don't look as good or whatever it is. But I think the key to our show is that we've sort of hit on a real strong formula and a very strong team. It help, it, it allows the cast to sort of be more in the moment and and um, and have their 
real emotions and their authentic feelings without sort of the constraints of doing a television show. Yeah. And I think, you know, in the social media age, viewers are increasingly fascinated by what goes on behind the scenes of these shows. Have you watched uh, the show Unreal? I think that really kind of brought this into the conversation. I'm familiar with it. I haven't watched every episode and I'm certainly not, uh, you know, particularly knowledgeable about exactly, you know, so I can't speak to exactly what they're doing, but I, I remember watching the first few minutes of the first episode and, and right off the top, there was a scene in the driveway, which we have where their guys are arriving or girls are arriving. And all of a sudden this director character yells, cut and do it again. Okay. Back to one. And it was so like right then I sort of lost interest because I knew right away that they were just taking huge dramatic license with what really happens because I can tell you, in 29 seasons, I've never yelled cut once. Not once. It's just something we don't do. Like, we don't, we don't want to behave like, a, like you're on a scripted film set. You know, that's not how the cast and, and the guys and the girls are going to behave in, in their most natural light. I can tell you, honestly, that the, our behind scenes is different and, and probably, I think, far more interesting in terms of, like, the technical and the artistic than what you see there, which is all about, I think it's all about sort of the manipulation of the cast and stuff. Yeah, absolutely. On a show like The Bachelor, how much of a hand does the director and the producers have in terms of defining who the major players are and how they're characterized? You know, we always tend to see a villain or two. We tend to see people who get really favorable edits. How much control do you have over that? You know, as a director, I don't. I really stay out of sort of the content world and those decisions. And I don't get involved with the cast in terms of what they say. It's more of a producing area and it's an area that I sort of stay out of. This whole notion of favorable edits and this and the villain and, you know, that's, that's not something that we contrive or we create. It, it creates itself. Like, you know, you've been in a bar, you've been in it with a group of girlfriends. There's, or, you know, you've met a lot of people, right? Everyone knows a mean girl. Everyone knows a crazy guy. Everyone knows the girl who drinks too much. Everyone knows that, you know what I mean? These characters that we know in our lives, they, they present themselves on the show without any prompting. <laughs> Perhaps in a much more extreme way than you might see in your real life. Maybe. I mean, yeah, everything is a little more extreme. Everything is a little more heightened. That's true. But it's not, it's not something we're fabricating. It's something that for whatever reason, these people come on the show and uh, seem to fall into this, you know, their words coming out of their mouth. You know, we never tell them what to say or what to do. Um, and they seem to, you know, they seem to innocently uh, or not innocently take on these roles themselves, you know. So a lot has been made about, you know, who the next few bachelors and bachelorettes might be. And there's been a lot of discussion about diversity on the show, or really the lack thereof. Would you like to see a non-white bachelor or bachelorette soon? I'm up for whoever. I'm 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 happy to see whoever. I'm not terribly involved in the casting process, so I don't have a uh, I don't have a personal hand in that. But I know that we're you know a lot of things go into it, and. Um, I'm sure we're seeing more diversity uh, in general in the world, and we're seeing more diversity on the show and other shows. 
So yeah, I'm totally open to anything that might you know, present itself. Yeah, well, we spoke to Chris Harrison about this. He kind of expressed that he wanted to see whoever would keep the doors open of the show in the best way. It kind of sounded like there was an implication that having a non-white bachelor or bachelorette could harm the franchise. Do you think that's a possibility? Um, I, I have no idea. I really, I don't know how, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I think the franchise is uh, is really strong, and that uh, if it's the right person coming on the show for the right reason, and uh, and you know, which is all about finding love and and finding that one true love and going through this process, um, it could be anybody. Yeah, it seems like true love shouldn't be limited just to white people. No, not at all, and and of course it's not. Yeah, absolutely. So over your many years of working on this show, do you have any favorite leads? I mean, this guy, Ben, this year is the sweetest. I mean, he's, he's one of my top, top, top ever. Just the most amazing, sincere, like everything you see and hear about him, it's all true times a thousand. So he's as lovely as he seems. Yeah. But I'll tell you if Tristan's really the one I bow down to, because what happened that season that early was the most amazing thing because people said, even after two seasons, oh, that show will never work, right? Um, you'll never meet someone on a show and get married. Well, once Trista and Ryan got married, you could never say that. You could never again say that'll never work because it worked. And all it had to do was work once. And it gave me great hope for the show because I saw something absolutely wonderful come out of it. And through all the tears and all the heartache, you know, you see these two fabulous kids, and it's it's a miracle, really. That's so sweet. It, it must be an interesting experience to shoot a bachelor wedding after you've kind of seen this whole, quote-unquote, journey unfold. I don't know. It, it really is. It really makes the whole show so great for me to see, um, you know, see it culminate in a wedding, because that's not, you know, obviously, that's not a given. Um, it's not a given when you meet someone online or when you meet someone at a bar, you know, the odds are so slim and to have as many success stories as we do really is, is quite a tribute to the show. That's very true. Well, you must be doing something right. Cause we obsessively watch every week. <laughs> I'm glad keep watching. Yeah. We love it. We love it. It's a, it's a really great season. It's a great ending. Ooh. Is it going to be the most dramatic ever, as Chris Harrison would say? Pretty darn dramatic. Well, as you know, he said, I love you to, to two women. So that's very unusual to begin with. Were you surprised when you were shooting that and you saw that happen? Yes, yes. I have to tell you, when we're shooting, you know, it's the surprising things and the happy accidents that make, make for the best TV, you know. And you know when you're shooting it, like, oh, my God, this is really poignant or this is really impactful or this looks so beautiful that that you know it's, it's going to be great on tv and viewers are going to love it well i think that's a perfect note to end on thanks so much ken my pleasure good luck and now welcome to feminism fails where we rate the most cringeworthy anti-lady moments of the week on our very own patented feminism fail scale one you do you bro two that's questionable. Three, not cool people. Four, the 1950s are back. Five, gender equality is straight up dead. 
we didn't have a whole lot of feminism fails last week, but this week really made up for that. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) More than made up for it. Our first feminism fail is Chris Harrison referring to the women as a beautiful firing squad to Ben. We're going to give that a two just because, ugh, Chris. Beautiful but also fierce. Two things that actually do kind of go together, (laughs) surprisingly. Next, Chris Harrison calls Emily and Haley the twins, and instead of by their names, by the way. They don't have separate identities. They don't have separate identities. And ask Ben to tell them apart for him for everyone's entertainment. We're giving that A2 because, yeah, he's playing the twin identity for laughs, but come on, treat them like individual humans for once. And, of course, Chris Harrison tells Jubilee it's fine that she's complicated because she can't control it, and she totally what if she could, right? We're going to give that a four because, hello, Chris Harrison, uh, women are actually allowed to be complicated. They don't have to fight against that, and they don't have to find value in a man liking them despite their quote-unquote complication. And next, little girl baby in a Mrs. Higgins t-shirt, five. I think there's enough said there. I'll just be weeping looking at that. (laughs) And finally— Jubilee somehow ends up apologizing for racial remarks, yet no one else does. Ugh, this isn't specifically a feminism fail, but seriously, seriously disappointing. Just get it together, ABC, and stop tokenizing black women. Yeah, do better next time. And now for our Tweet of the Week. This week's comes from Dana Weiss at Possessionista. Kayla's eyes say heartbroken, but her hair says, I just want world peace. (laughs) Pretty much. So good. And that's it for Here to Make Friends. Thanks to our guests, The Bachelor Dudes, Max Godnick and Sammy Smith. And thanks to our producer, Caitlin Boguki and editor Nick Offenberg. Have you had a chance to find Here to Make Friends on iTunes? If not, now is the perfect time to subscribe and give us a rating. Every time we get a new subscription or review... Our show climbs the iTunes charts, which helps other people discover our show. You can also find us on Twitter. I'm at Claire E. Fallon. And I'm at Emma Lady Rose. Or you can send us an email. We always love getting emails at here to make friends at HuffingtonPost.com. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next week. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. You can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that.